listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. I want to thank everybody for joining in today. If you look at your calendar, we're recording this um, interview today. Uh, It's uh, August the 10th of 2020. Now, a couple of years down the line, you might think back, oh yeah, was that in that COVID thing? Yep, that's in this COVID thing. We're still fighting this damn virus and and uh, uh, it's amazing how many people are going out and enjoying fishing in the middle of it um, just because they're trying to stay away from each other with the social distancing and all that good stuff. Gosh, there's been an cr- incredible amount of traffic in regards to people looking at buying lures and tackle and that sort of thing, both online and in retail stores. And that's sort of the genre that we're going to hit today is just talking about what's going on in the industry that way. But without further ado, I am really excited to have Jared Higginbotham from Yakima Bait. If you've ever been to a a fishing show or one of the trade shows, the sportsman shows, and you stop by the Yakima Bait booth, my guess is you've noticed Jared, because he's a great big guy. So anyway, well, without stealing his thunder, hey, Jared, you there? Hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm outstanding. I am outstanding, my friend. <laughs> well, terrific. You're, uh, you're probably uh, getting ready for the salmon season coming up in the Northwest, huh? Yeah, you know, I've been, uh, I'm always ready for the salmon season, and we've had a phenomenal summer Chinook and uh, summer sockeye season here, uh, you know, that's kind of a bubble fishery for us, whether we get it or not, but I uh-huh. am uh, right now preparing to travel headed west to uh, the famed Bowie 10 fishery, where the Columbia uh, enters the uh, Pacific Ocean out there, and, uh, you know, in the history's past, you know, millions of salmon have come up this thing. I think this year our forecast is around... Um, 400,000 Chinook and 550,000 coho. So we're looking forward to a great fall fishery over there. So, yeah. Wow. That's great, man. Now that fishery, uh, it's kind of limited in, in the time frame this year, isn't it? Isn't it just a couple of weeks? Yeah, they reduced it. You know, I'm not for certain when they reduced the season um, back, I do not believe it was due to a low projected forecast. I believe it was because of the um, actual COVID thing was when it got um, reduced, but, uh, you know, it is what it is at this point in time. We're kind of used to some of those, you know, extensions, reductions, surprise openings, um, emergency closures, you know, in, in our neck of the woods aren't, uh, sadly, they're not uh, uh, terms that we don't hear a lot. We hear those all the time. And so, you know, yeah. we're going to make the best of this fishery. It's open from the 14th to, I believe, the 28th of August. And I know a lot of my guide friends and friends are headed over because it is a lot of fun. You want to go yeah. meet three or 4,000 of your best friends, get with an arm's distance of them and catch some fish. That's the place to do it. <laughs> it's a party, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah sounds, this is a party. Yeah. Sounds like fun. So, so Jared, what do you do at Yakima Bay? Well, my official title at the company is assistant national sales manager. So, in that portion of my job, what I do is, um, uh, you know, I create uh, um, sales sheets and the recommendations for companies from everywhere from your mom and pop independent retailer all the way up to Bass Pro Shops and um, Walmart and regions across the country and, you know, uh, you know, even up into Canada and, uh, you know, across the big pond too. So 
Um, right. I take care of a lot of different things on that aspect. Travel to distributor shows and sell products to retailers and show new products. Um, industry shows and um, um, consumer shows like sports shows like you were talking about and show new products mm-hmm. and give seminars and um, and things like that. And, um, you know, and that's kind of what I do on the sales side of the business. And then back at the factory, I also kind of take it upon myself um, as far as quality control. So, uh, you know, I check products that uh, we, we build and um, I test them in, the, in my test tank in, in the factory there and just make uh-huh. sure they're up to, our, up to our standards to go into a package. Um, I also do a lot of the social media aspect, um, TV, radio, you know, as we're doing now, podcasts. Um, I do a lot of taking buyers out fishing and, um, you know, guides and doing guide meetings and um, um, just, you know, kind of wear a lot of hats. Um, so um, I help wow, with you're... production and, you know, yep. Yeah, you're you're a busy guy, but gosh, it sounds like you love your work, man. Dude, I don't work a day in my life. I don't know what you're talking about. I love what I do. I am the luckiest cat on the planet. I'm a farm kid. Uh, <laughs> people are always like, man, don't you get tired of traveling? I'm like, you know, sitting in first class, drinking a cocktail. I sure wish mm-hmm. I was bucking hay again. Yep, I've been mm-hmm. bucking hay. No, not one bit. <laughs> not one bit, my friend. I love every second. So <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Hey, get- a little background and history on Yakima Bait because I mean gosh it's been around for a long long time as a company but it's sort of evolved too hasn't it over the last 30 or 40 years yeah sure you know um, Yakima Bait has definitely evolved due to acquisitions and different things and um, you know in 1934 R.B. Warden had an idea for a company right and he wanted to start a fishing company mm-hmm. and some of the most of those he started you know probably a station wagon in a garage and right. in 1941, he incorporated it, invited some of his friends along to invest. And to this day, the same family still own the company. And, uh, you know, in 1941, they had, uh, you know, a lot of different things, spoon flies and smaller different things and gadgets and gadgets like everybody else. And then right. around the late 40s, early 50s, you know, here come Rooster Tail. Howard Warden and uh, uh, mm-hmm. his dad kind of put that together. And, of course, we know the Rooster Tail. It's uh, one of those top 10 iconic, um, you know, lures in history. So, oh, yeah. You know, the rooster tail came about and the spinning glow came about and um, the corkies came about and, you know, we've got all these products. And so from there, it just was kind of like a fire and it just started to grow and grow and grow, you know, especially uh-huh. with rooster tail. Um, you know, rooster tail is its own entity. Um, okay. You know, and the funny thing about that is uh, most people think that the rooster tail gets its name because we use actual chicken feathers as a tail. And that's not actually how it got its name. It got its name from the boat races that go on in the Tri-Cities here in the Pasco, uh, Richland, Kennewick area in Washington on the Columbia oh. River. And when the, when the boat, the jet boats go by, they shoot out a rooster tail. And that's where the name originally came from. So um, very neat lure, um, you know, and there's been multiple versions of the original rooster tail over the years, none of which has sold as well as the original rooster tail. Um, in our right. line, we have a sonic rooster tail. We have a super rooster tail. We have a rooster tail minnow. Um, and, um, you know, those are all and the Vibrick rooster tail, those are all kind of family members, descendants of the original, and they all have mm-hmm. a place and a purpose. And so, you know, that helped the company grow there. And then we started acquisitions, you know, and uh, start buying companies like Heelan Flatfish in the 90s and Big Owl's Fish Splash in the 2000s, um, Pose Lures in the 90s, um, you know, Bud Spinners here just not too long ago, Spinfish we just bought, which I spoke to you about earlier. And so, right. through, and Hildebrandt, Hildebrandt was a big one that we bought in the, uh, I can't remember. I wasn't there, but I believe it was uh, very early 2000s. We bought Hildebrandt, which has been around since 1899. So wow. Yakima Bay has slowly built this very um, um, 
very good structure with a very good base on its way up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, buying good products, lasting products. Um, you know, we're one of the only companies I know of that have, you know, six or seven products that have been around for more than 60 or 70 years and are still hanging on shelves everywhere and still sell at a large volume. Right. So, you know, we bought core products as we kind of brought our way up and um, aligned ourselves with core people as well. So um, I'm a firm believer in the boots on the ground, you know, marketing is the best way to go on Yakima base kind of done that from the beginning. And I think that's, you know, played to their strength um, in many, many ways as uh, they kind of built themselves to where we are now. Oh yeah. And, and you're, like you were saying, you're, you're global now. I mean, I, I was, I was interested um, in, in what you were saying about the rooster tails because growing up in the Northwest, I mean, what kid doesn't have four or five rooster tails in their tackle box, you know, and as you grow older, you know, you, you just keep adding rooster tails, you know, because there's this sort yep. of your, your go-to lure, but now, you know, I didn't realize it, but they're using it uh, back East for, fishing for bass and walleye and everything else don't they yeah it's a really a everywhere you know rooster tail is kind of a name in the fishing industry similar to what a kleenex is in um you know uh like a tissue industry right because anybody says oh, you know, hand me a tissue they say hand me a kleenex even though the brand may have be something else a generic kirkland brand or a walmart brand or whatever they say hand uh -huh. me a kleenex same with the rooster tail so many people say well my rooster tail is messed up man i'm you know and I'm like, well, send me a photo and we'll see how maybe I can help you. And they'll send me a photo. I'm like, that's mm -hmm. not a rooster tail. And they're like, well, no, mm -hmm. it's a rooster. I'm like, no, it's, it's not a rooster tail. Ours are stamped on the blade. That's not a rooster tail, you know. Um, but it's, right. it's, it's that significant and, and iconic of an item. And, um, you know, everywhere I go, I'm always flying the flag, Yakima Bay, or I have something on that represents my company, right? And mm -hmm. no matter what I wear, if I wear a rooster tail hat or a shirt across country, I get stopped at airports and bars and restaurants and on the street going, hey, man, let me tell you a story about my grandpa. Oh, my God, you're the rooster tail guy. Let me tell you about my cousin. I caught my first fish on. My favorite color is, have you ever tried yep. this one? You guys should go back yep. to making this one, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, it's just a really, really cool story because not very many things you can wear nowadays and travel around and everyone's positive about, right? So right. Um, it's, pretty, it's a pretty neat thing that just the name alone brings a smile to people's face still to this day. It's just a very yep. unique um, cool item to be a part of because before I ever went to work for Yakima, I fished spinning glows and flatfish and, um, you know, rooster tails and all these things, corkies, uh, since I was little. Um, right. And then I went into retail and I sold them at retail for eight years, um, you know, mm -hmm. and so I, I've seen this from a consumer standpoint, fished them my whole life. I've seen it right. from a retailer standpoint because because I bought and sold them for eight years and now I'm at the manufacturer standpoint. And so I've kind of come through a unique cycle that's really got me ready. Like I went to grade school and college and now got my master's and here I am, you know, um, where I was supposed to be. And I did that all through just kind of the love of fishing and my passion yeah. for the sport is what actually got me to where I'm at. So I'm very fortunate um, that Yakima Bait um, has been a positive outlook for me my entire life. Um, so it's kind of a different story for me. Oh, that's cool, man. I, you know, I'm curious yeah. when, when you come out with a, a new rooster tail that you want to market what do you do to test out the colors and the and the vibrations and and the you know this the overall performance of the lure i mean um, are are there some some uh processes that you go through before something is launched well on a, on a product like a rooster tail it's already established we've already got all of our tolerances basically in place for you know mm -hmm. wire diameter cup of the blade, right. clevis size, how many beads, hook size, length of wire, um, those types of things. All that's really already been done. 
um, you know, in years past. And all we have to really do is make sure. Um, so when I'm, I don't necessarily testing new rooster tail, but when we're coming out with saying new colors, those right. are influenced by um, different people, different reps, guides, retailers across the country that are saying, Hey man, we need this color. This color is hot or, you know, hey, this would be a great color to have in, or this is what the bait fish are looking like in our system this year. Can we replicate that? And so we kind of try to pick them, you know, to where we have good colors for each region or each specific fishery. We try to pick maybe a couple trout colors, a couple bass colors, and maybe, you know, something else for, you know, like a brim or something like mm -hmm. that. And so that's kind of how we come up with new colors. And so mm -hmm. the only testing I would do on those lures to make sure they function is which is the same thing I do pretty much weekly when we get a batch of blades in or a batch of hooks or a batch of wire. You know, a batch of wire, we'll strength test it, see what it breaks at to make right. sure it meets our standards. Um, you right. know, a batch of hooks, we'll do the same thing. We do pull tests to see where they break. And if they break or they don't function up to what our standards are, our plus or minus tolerances, you know, we let uh -huh. the manufacturer know and they'll replace them, so on and so forth. Um, the right. blades are a plus or, plus or minus tolerance as far as the cup. So that we know that they spend a certain retrieval speed. And as long as those things are in um, in place, then we'll make, you know, then I know that those lures are going out as they were designed by factory. Right. So the rooster tail is a different animal as far as new colors. Um, designing a new lure altogether, especially like plugs and things are different because you have, you know, pull point tolerances, you have hook hanger lengths and dimensions and balancing weights and the air chambers and, um, you know, walls you have to put inside and what, what size hooks do you put on, what size split rings and, and um, so, you know, and how deep is the cup on, or, or curve on the bill and how flat right. is the bill and how flat is the bill on the bottom and how much do you shave here? And so that's a lot bigger of a project, which are fun. I love figuring stuff like that out. Um, mm -hmm. So um, when that comes now, up, you know, it's like, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you, you have a new product that you're just hitting the market with too, right? That, that I wanted to uh, make sure that you had a chance to tell us about. Yeah, so we have a new product that we purchased from a gentleman. Um, his name is Ray Norman, and he's a logger from Seaside, Oregon, and Ray is a fishing fanatic. And Ray designed a new bait um, a few, about six or seven years ago, and it's called the Spin Fish. Um, and most people are familiar with the concept of uh, a pull-apart bait or a hinged bait that you can stuff, um, uh, a hard bait that you can stuff soft bait like tuna fish, herring, sardines, right. or whatever in the middle of and troll it and leave a scent trail behind it well ray did that and he kind of uh, took a design that looks looks similar to a flatfish and you know if you can picture a flatfish a banana style bait that breaks mm -hmm. apart in the middle it's got a male and a female in it breaks apart in the middle and you can stuff bait in it and put it back together and your line would go through where the tail hook hanger would be and out the very bill of the plug so the the, the bait the spin fish itself actually rotates around your line and uh, the angle of the bill and the way the water hits it as the, as the pressure is put on your line when you start to move, or if you're in a river system, the current's pushing it, it rolls. And similar to, um, you know, a flatfish, in a way, the design of the bill, when a flatfish is wiggling side to side, it has mm -hmm. a little hitch in, hitch in its giddy-up, right? Well, right. the same with a spinfish, but the spinfish isn't wiggling side to side like a plug. It's rolling like a herring. But with that flat build design, it actually caused it to have a little hitch in its giddy up and have a little hiccup. And so it looks more like a wounded mm. bait fish. Instead of, a, instead of a bait that's just rotating the same speed, it looks like the same thing over and over and over and over. It actually right. caused itself to, um, you know, wiggle, 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 and then kind of roll over and wiggle, wiggle, roll over and wiggle, wiggle. Um, just, just very slight. And so it's yeah. different than your standard um, um your standard banana style bait that uh, uh, you can put bait into. 
So uh -huh. um, we call it an easy fill bait chamber. And this comes in a four inch and a three and a half and a three inch size right now. And, you know, depending on the bait size um, that you're fishing, whatever the fish you're feeding on, um, you know, you want to be able to match that up. And so we've got the four inch and the three inch and this uh, later this fall, it would have been earlier this year, but due to COVID, we could not do that. Um, right. We're coming out with a two, two and a half and a two inch version. So then really? we have a nice family of sizes. Yeah. Yeah. That's really wow. exciting. Yeah. And I've been able to R and D those uh, quite a bit this summer with my son catching sockeye and some very, very nice summer run Chinook upwards of 26, 28 pounds. Yeah. So we've had a lot of fun testing lures. My little guy likes that part of my job. I'll bet he does. I'll bet he does. Yeah, dad, yeah. The, uh, my dad was a dentist and he would clean my teeth on weekends for fun. It sounds like you hey. have a better opportunity. Well, better opportunity, but probably the same amount of money goes out either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably so. Probably yeah, yeah. so. That is, that is really cool. Are, I'm just curious, uh, being from the Northwest and, and knowing that fishery there, um, there's a lot of uh, now uh, salmon fishing, steelhead fishing, and that sort of thing in the Great Lakes, and particularly up in Lake Ontario. Um, are, yeah. you, are, are you marketing those products up there? Yeah, man. I, I love fishing up there, um, uh, Lake Ontario. I thought that's a lot of mm -hmm. fun. I, I go up there and I fish the um, Niagara Bar um, oh, yeah. with, yep, with some of my friends, the Romanax, Mark and Jake Romanax. Matt Yablonski is a good friend of mine. He guides up there, phenomenal guide. And then mm -hmm. another friend of mine, Frank Campbell, is a good guide up there. Troy Creasy guides up there. Those are all very good guides. They guide all the way around it. And so I've actually yeah. been up there and fished with those guys a few different times, and that's a lot of fun. And we market uh, our maglip is a very, very, very um, prolific bait up there. It uh, it started out um, about when I first went to work for Yakima. Was really when it started to catch ground here, and it spread like wildfire. It's a very unique, very, very neat uh, uh, trolling lure. And um, mm -hmm. so we go up there to promote that and um, do very well fishing that up there for not only um, Chinook, but it's a very, very good coho lure, very good brown lure. And for the winter steelhead in Niagara, those guys just love that thing. Um, oh, really? Yeah, they rig it kind of funny. They rig it uh, not like we do here, but they rig it with a dropper, like, you know, an 18-inch dropper and a three-foot leader uh -huh. to your bait, and they drag they drag them. Uh, kind of a downstream troll, but they drag them. They do very well on winter steelhead there with a maglip. They really, really like those. So I'll be um, darned. I'll be darned. Yeah, so yeah, neat. Yeah. Yeah, and, and part and, and, uh, quite a large uh, section of our, our, our listeners um, are striper fishermen, whether they're fishing Lake Texoma in Texas or up and down, you know, through the Chesapeake and, and the eastern seaboard. Um, what, what sort of products is Yakima uh, have or are you coming out with to address those types of fishing opportunities? You know, um, you know, Yakima has never really been into the big, uh, big into the striper thing. But you know, our reps and our guides and a lot of guys that do that, um, you know, uh -huh. it, they have certain times of year that they actually are into striper fishing, even in the Delta in California. Right. Um, right. So, um, you know, we're coming out with some new jigs. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of swim baits out nowadays. Guys are coming out with all different versions, and you know, there's one been demanded from for uh, from us by as well. So. Mm -hmm. We're working on one with a bunch of our different pros, and that was one of the questions because we were only, only going to go up to one ounce, and you know, like a like a six inch uh, swim bait is the biggest we were going to go. And we got right. this overwhelming demand from guides and our reps and our retailers that no, 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 you guys need to step into bigger. You know, you need more yep. stuff for stripers and so on, and you know, bigger hook and this and so. Um, we're just kind of really diving into that market as well um, mm -hmm. to uh, you know to jump into there as well as to give our guides and our reps and our and our retailers something to sell from us too because they want gear from us. 
So yeah, uh, we do. definitely want to an- answer that demand, you know what I mean, and get that stuff out there. Plus, that gives me a reason to travel to all the cool places you just talked about and promote fishing. That's true. So I like that, the way you think, buddy. I like the way you think. You're going to get me out in some cool spots. Absolutely. A- ab- absolutely. <laughs> so I'm just curious. You you must have a, a pro staff um, um, program at uh, Yakima Bay, don't you? So I have a so I work my pro staff. So that's another thing that I do for Yakima Bay. I'm actually in, star, in charge of the pro staff and guide program as well. It's just another part oh, of my deal. I have uh-huh. yeah, I have 3,500 guides across the country on my guide program. Oh, and I have program. about yeah, I'm a busy dude. And um, I've got about 40 or 50 um, um, pro staff. You know, and pro the way I consider pro staff are, um, you know, um, if you do seminars and you promote, and you know, a lot of guys just they don't want to do those things. They just want to fish every day and they're still promoting. Mm-hmm. That's great. I have a guide program. I put anyone that's a licensed guide on the guide program because I believe that um, they do deserve that opportunity to be part of something. And right. um, I want them put pushing my gear anyway. And like I tell them all, I have the right to kick you off just like I have the right to bring you on. And, mm-hmm. um, and um, I allow them to establish their position with my company. So I give everyone the same opportunity when they start. Some guys have already earned that opportunity, and therefore they, we take we you know they, we take a different route with them. But the guys right. that are new or want to earn their opportunity, or you know are not familiar with the Yakima Bait, I add them to my guide program, and um, and then I let them build up. They send me photos, they tag me, they contact my social media people, they let me know when they're giving a seminar, uh, filming mm-hmm. a TV show. I'll gladly send them gear for that. I'm doing a radio show, doing handouts at a sports show. Um, you uh-huh. know, things like that. And they, they work with me, right? Squeaky wheel gets mm-hmm. the grease. Uh, like I said, I'm a busy guy. So, um, you know, you let me know what you're doing. And then I put, you know, I put things in a monthly report that I do each month for my board members. And I show yeah. them what I do. And the people, the people that are in my ear, those are the people that I remember, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, when it comes time for this guy, he, he emails me the next year. He's like, hey, Jared, you know, I, um, you know, I need to get some uh, spin fish and some maglet from you and some of these and some of those. And I look back last year, I'm like, man, this guy absolutely killed it. You know what I mean? He worked his butt off for me. He did 10 seminars. He did this right. and that. And the other thing, I'm like, you know what, Jim? I'm like, I'm going to send you this gear for free. Um, I don't need your credit card this time. I appreciate what you did for me. I, I see mm-hmm. that. I see the results you're getting. You know what I mean? Thank you. Um, here's some gear for you. And if Jim continues to do that year after year and he starts building himself up, you know, eventually it becomes to a partial, you know, a paid pro staffer or maybe a product credit. Or, you right. know, if I need a guy to film a TV show, I'm like, Jim, I got a guy in your area that needs to film a TV show. You've been doing a great mm-hmm. job for me. I love what you're doing. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like you to be part of my program. Um, can you do this? You know, and those types of things. So, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Um, and, you know, we kind of, uh, I like doing things the old school way, right? I'm a farm kid. And so yeah. the guy that's working, um, the guy that's working, right? That, that's the guy I like because he's going to continue Absolutely. to work. Uh, not Absolutely. just for me, but he works for fishing. He works for himself. He takes care of his boat. He gives them a good experience. And I know that by the, the response and how hard he works for me. And so it's just kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's who I like to align myself and Yakima bait with. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. A- absolutely. You know, the, the, the guys in the charter captains, you know, really they, they have a special place in my heart and I, as I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure they, you know, they do for you also. And, and the reason I say that, is that they're providing experiences to people, you know, that become kind of, you know, a, a daily routine for them. But they're, you know, the, their clients on the boat and, and their guests that they're, they're bringing in, you know, only give, maybe get to experience this once every two years or once every three years. And so yeah. this day is a big day for them. And they're providing those memories and those times that is going to, 
take that guy through the next few years and he can sit back at his desk or he can sit back at the cab of his pickup, you know, working somewhere and go, God, remember that day I caught that, you know, uh, that walleye, you know, up, up on, the, uh, on the Columbia. And what a great day that was. And I yep. don't think guides and charters take that as seriously as they, as they should. Because that guy on his deathbed, he's not going to think about all the business deals he did, you know. He's nope. going to be thinking about family, and he's going to be thinking about the fun that he had, you know, and, and those great experiences in life. And that's what this occupation gives those, you know, gives back to the public, which is extremely important in my eyes. It's extremely important. And, you know, you look at majority of these guys, and I'm talking, when I say majority, I would say 70% and above of the guys I know and girls that guide, they don't always take out a boat full of clients for a paycheck. A lot of these people take out boats full of kids that may not have an opportunity to fish or may have a make a wish type thing or um, yep. veterans or handicapped people or um, someone that their house burnt down. They lost all their money. I mean, I watch, uh, can't, I, I, I've donated, I don't know how many trips to cancer fundraisers. And mm -hmm. so, you know, Buzz, Buzz always says, you only get a, one chance to make a first impression. And the first impression of fishing a lot of times does come through a charter or a guide. And that's where so many people buy a boat, buy a rod, go buy gear and do these things. They are, they are really one of our very first positive experiences um, mm -hmm. that, the, that the public does get, you know what I mean? And so yeah. a lot of guys give guides crap. There's all those guides here. There's all these guides are there. All these guys are there. They're trying to make a living for their family, same as you are. They're yeah, trying they to make you know make a better sport, same as you are. They're not trying to rape a resource. They're trying to get everybody out there on the same page, doing the same thing, having fun, showing this experience that we love. If they didn't mm -hmm. love it, they wouldn't be doing it. And so they're sharing that. And so I have a different respect for them. And I don't guide. I could guide, and I would have a lot of clients. And I am not yeah. the best fisherman. I I am one of the most fun, but I am not the best. But <laughs> I don't want. I like my dynamic. I build yeah. lures, I design stuff, they use it, they promote it, they put people in their boats. I don't want to take food out of their out of their family's mouth. That's not what I'm about. So yeah. that's why I don't guide. I would never take money for guiding from anyone, um, mm -hmm. you know, do anything like that. I would never get my guide's license because I just love to take my family. I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, and I, I respect those guys because it takes a different breed of cat to get yeah, up at 1 a.m. for eight months straight and go out and no matter what the weather and no matter who's getting in your boat, you don't know who they are. You don't know what the personality is a lot of times and do that every day with a smile on your face. Kudos to you. Kudos mm -hmm. to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. A absolutely. You know, there's so many people that will get on a guide boat and they don't really realize that the guide's been up for the, you know, three hours prior getting the boat ready and, and rigging up rods and, doing what they need to do to make this a great experience for someone. And then they, you know, they clean their fish at the dock and they shake their hands goodbye. And now they've got another three or four hours worth of work, whether it's returning phone calls, you know, to the, uh, to the clients and customers that are coming the next day, cleaning up their boat, you know, uh, uh, dragging it home. And they are a hard, you know, hard working group of people. It, it, it's a yep. tough job. It's a very it is, tough you know. And that same guy that drops you off at the launch at 5 a.m. and cleaned all your fish and gave you a smile, spent an hour and a half cleaning his boat, an hour driving home, 
spent the last four hours he could awake with his children and his wife to give them time they need to go to sleep to get up four hours later to do it again. Um, and you know, you gotta have respect for that person. Um, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not freeloading one bit. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to. And I love, I love Mm -hmm. every one of those guys and gals for that. Much respect to every one of them. Absolutely. Well, Hey, I got a question for you. So you, you wake, you wake up tomorrow morning and something hits you and it says, you know, Jared, you've only got one more fishing trip to take. And what would you fish for? And how would you fish for them <clears throat> if you knew that tomorrow morning you had one more trip to take? What would you do? If I had one more trip to take, mm-hmm. I'd, grab, I'd grab my dad and some crappie rods, and I'd go to where we crappie fished when we were kids, and we'd sit there and catch a string of little crappie and just laugh. That's what I would uh-huh. do. What a great day that would be. Yeah, I don't. it doesn't matter to me about big fish, numbers of fish, or where I fish. For me, it's about who I fish with, man. And so um, my dad's still here. He's still alive. I went fishing with him. I go fishing all the time, thank God. Um, but I'm not, I mean, if I could grab my dad and my boy and, you know, family, whoever was with me, but I, I would, I just get, because it's simple, man. Uh, you go yep. out there, you tinker around, you have some fun, you catch some crappie, you laugh, no matter the size, it's still fun. Mm-hmm. And it just mm-hmm. brings me back to where I very first started fishing. And uh, that was watching that bobber go under with a 39 cent at that time. It was probably 29 or 19 or nine cent crappie jig under it and a chunk yep. of worm. And I just, I loved every second. And I'm still yep. at that point uh, that I love yep. it just like that. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. One of the, the, well, the, the last fishing trip my grandfather ever took um, was with myself and my dad. We went up to Spring Creek on the McKinsey River, Spring Creek uh, uh, boat landing. And uh, he had cancer at the time and uh, was, you know, a little feeble, but we sat there and we cast into the school and, you know, we caught uh, a number of trout that day and my, my dad got pictures of us all. And you're right. I mean, there's something about going and catching a 70 pound rooster or, a, you know, a 35 pound king or a 200 yep. pound halibut. But, you know, that yep. fishing trip means more to me than, you know, yep. any of those you know, it's all about family, is it not? And and just the experience that you have and, and paying homage, have you made, to those that got you involved in the sport? My dad is one of the hardest working men I've ever met in my life. Like that dude, he owned his own business. We had 50 acres of orchard. We were farm kids. I mean, you talk about work, that man worked, right? Like huh? never once ever did he ever tell me, I'm too tired to take you fishing, son. I'm too tired to take wow. you hunting. Never, never once, man, ever. He always had time. Five o'clock at night, six o'clock at night on a Friday, rigging lights on the boat, rigging stuff up, tossing us in the camper, drive us an hour and a half after he worked all week, wake up the next morning, five o'clock, feed us breakfast, put us on a boat, get us nice and sunburnt, catch a bunch of fish and come home. I loved every second, man. It was the greatest thing ever. The crappiest gear on earth, old boat, beat up, you know, nothing. And today here I am fishing with the best gear on the planet, nicest boat ever. And still, mm-hmm. I would go back to that old crappy boat and fish for crappie with my old man. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Those, uh, yeah, th- those are very, very special times. Well, Jared, I yeah. want to thank you, man, for coming on uh, and uh, sharing with us about you and, and uh, Yakima Bait and all the great things both the, you and the company are doing. I mean, you are absolutely advocates, you know, for this incredible sport. And, uh, yeah. you know, we just... Uh, Hope and pray that uh, we can get through this COVID thing in one piece. And uh, it sure sounds like there's going to be a lot more fishermen 
once this thing does lift because uh, people are catching that bug, are they not? They are, man. They're really getting after it. You know, it's really good to see, though, that, um, you know, with all the downturn and the, and the negativity that everybody's seeing, that the, the fishing has become a positive in people's lives because it's been a positive in my life for many different things. You know, we spoke a little bit br briefly beforehand about my wife passing away from cancer and, uh, you know, everybody has trials and things in their life and fishing has really been my church and my place to just uh, be at peace. And so I hope that others, they go out there in this situation and this time that they find the same peace that I have out there on the water, um, no matter what they're catching and that they stick with it and enjoy that and make yep. that part of their daily routine. And then the most important part is to share it with someone else so that they too can enjoy the same thing that you and I both do, buddy. Yep. There you go. There you go. Exactly right. Well, Jared, thank you, man. Uh, we just uh, wish you the absolute best. You and your family say stay, uh, stay safe and, and, and well. And uh, we're looking forward to catching with, up with you uh, on the riverbank somewhere. Awesome, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. It was my pleasure. I appreciate it. Uh, and you, you stay safe your, yourself, my friend. And, and uh, get a line wet soon, man. We're all itching. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks again, Jared.